Would you turn with me in your Bibles to 2 Timothy, the third chapter, with dealing with a portion in Hebrews, which I have laid aside for a while. In Hebrews, the first chapter, having to do with the 10th to 12th verses, in which is recorded the creation and also the passing away of the earth. And so it takes in a great period in between. And we are discussing that period in between, and especially in reference to the second coming of our Savior, Jesus Christ. I am going to try to make, while I follow a certain method of talking to you about the second coming, our first testimony that we brought to you was the testimony of Christ himself concerning his second coming that the church will not be triumphant despite 90% of the professing church claim that all that Jesus has to say, and of course this is pure imagination when someone says the church is going to be triumphant, all that Jesus has to say in Luke 17 and 18, Matthew 24 and 25, and many other references, all he keeps telling is this, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the day of the Son of Man. If you go back to Genesis 6 and read of the days of Noah, you find that it says, in those days God saw that the wickedness of men's hearts was only evil continually, and every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was evil. Also, in that sixth chapter, it says, in the days of Noah, violence filled the earth. And if ever there's been an age where violence is filling the earth, it's at this present time. The whole record of Jesus, he says, in the last days there shall be wars and rumors of war. There shall be great tribulation, he says, upon the earth. Matthew 24, he says, men's hearts shall fail them for fear for the things that are coming upon the earth in the last days. He says, shall the Son of Man find faith on the earth when he comes? No. So anyone who says that the church is going to bring in the great millennial age of joy and happiness and contentment is doing it out of an imagination that has nothing to do with the word of God. And this does not mean that the preacher of truth is a pessimistic preacher. I am a most marvelous optimist in my heart, you see, because every sign of the decadence of man points to the coming of Christ. And while I dread what I see is happening in the world, yet to me it keeps saying continually, look up, for your redemption draweth nigh. In this second Timothy, that third chapter, we were dealing with the first verse. I have a lot more to say about the rest, but the first verse says, notice the first verse, this know also, this is to the children of God. I suppose I should say, first of all, if you are not a child of God this morning, those things that I do talk about may seem at the moment to be rather mysterious. Because when you become a child of God, the Holy Spirit comes to dwell in your breast by faith. When you have accepted Christ as your personal Savior, 
And Jesus says, if I go away, I will send you my spirit and he will abide with you forever. So if your heart is filled with the Holy Spirit this morning, the things that I will speak about will bring great joy to your being, for you will know that your Lord is coming soon. But if as I speak, your heart is saying, I, I don't quite fathom it all, I challenge you to put one thing, and that is that you continue to come. I shall never forget when I was saved. When I came to Christ, the first one that I ever listened to teach was Donald Gray Barnhouse. And I studied under him for about six years. But I will never forget when I first went, the first time after I was saved, to hear his message. And the one who brought me knew him well and took me to him before the message. I'll never forget what he said to me. I was introduced, and he said, Martin, he was an older man than I was. I may not look at you, you may wonder how that's possible, but he was older than I was. I was younger, too. But I remember him saying, Martin, what I speak about this evening, and he had a Bible class in New York on 46th Street, a thousand people every Monday night. He says, what I speak about to you this evening, you may not fully grasp because you are a babe. But he said, I challenge you to this. Will you promise me? that you will come and listen to me even if you don't understand for the next three months. And I guarantee you that at the end of the three months, you'll never want to miss the class. So I did, and I have to admit that I, I didn't catch on too much. I got little gleanings here and there, but I didn't catch on too much. And here was one of the greatest preachers probably in his day. He's gone to be with the Lord quite a few years now. But I never forgot that. He said, if you just be patient, don't expect everything to come in at once and have great understanding. So if you're here this morning and I'm speaking about these things and somehow you say, well, that's strange. I've gone to other churches. I never heard about this. Well, I want to tell you, first of all, I'm a preacher of the Word of God. I'm not going to give you book reviews. Nor will I tell you how to plant a garden or how to keep your lawn. I have a job to do. My job is to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ, you see. And so if you will pledge, will say to me, I, I, I want to come, I'll come faithfully, and I'll listen to the word of God, I can guarantee to you that if you come faithfully, you will yearn to feed on the things of the word of God. Now, he says in 2 Timothy 3, and Paul is speaking here of the last days. He says, this know also. He says, I want you to know this. I don't want you to have any doubts about this, that in the last days, these are the last days. I suppose I might also use Hebrews 1 where Paul says, for God hath spoken unto us in these last days, so that I would have to say this age of grace as the last days. But these are expressly the last days because all of the signs of the final days are upon us. The, the end things are so clearly seen right now. I want to make not only the messages I bring to you 
on the second coming have to do with the things that Jesus says and the apostles and Israel and Russia and all of these things, but they are all well covered in Scripture. The place of Russia is made so clear that there will be no doubt about that, you see. But I want to also bring it into the very area where we're living right at this present moment so that if some things are happening that have application right now, you will be able to grasp it. He says that in these last days, perilous times will come. Perilous times will come. In Matthew 24, he has much to say about that. Let me read, well, let me read first Luke 21, because that would give us exactly what I want at this time, Luke 21. Let me read the 25th to the 28th verses. I read 25 and 26 last week. Let me read what it says. There should be signs in the sun and in the moon and in the stars. I think we're in for some amazing things. As I said, I think our explorations into space have much to do with the, the last days. I'm sure that much that's going to happen on the moon is going to amaze mankind. Knowing man, I can't believe that man will make it a citadel of peace, but rather a fortress of war. If Russia is the one that gets there first, I'm sure they're not going to allow the United States to set up armaments. May I remind you that in this past week, there was a lot of talk about nuclear disarmament. But may I remind you that when the United States was approached during the last week, they have laid it aside completely since Russia's invasion just recently in Czechoslovakia that Mr. Nixon has no intention of disarmament but to be the strongest power as he said on this earth. Now we have enough nuclear weapons at the present moment to blast the earth ten times overkill. Take the population of the earth and we have enough nuclear weapons to kill every person ten times over on the face of the earth. There's not going to be a disarmament. And when men get to the moon, they're not going to have great ideas of being of great benefit to mankind. If we're building the strongest armaments on earth to be the strongest power on earth, what makes you think when they get to the moon they're going to be peaceable? Whichever power can control up there will have tremendous capacities of destruction and of placing the earth under power that is far above them. There will be signs in the sun and the moon and the stars. Some of the signs will be completely from God and they're spoken of in Revelation. Many will be the deception of Satan, we're told. He will do unthinkable things, lying wonders, so much so that it might even, it says, if it were possible, it would even deceive the elect. 
But notice what he says in Luke 21. There shall be signs in the sun and in the moon and in the stars and upon the earth. Notice this. This is the last days. This is Jesus speaking, not past again. He says, there shall be, notice, distress of nations with perplexity. Have you ever seen a more perplexed world than we have right now? People can't even fathom, well, we never could fathom de Gaulle. It's getting worse. The financial markets of the world are afraid to open tomorrow on, uh, on Monday morning. Beginning to feel sorry for people with large investments. Well, I always have felt sorry about that anyway. <laughs> but it's, you know, it, it's getting a lot worse. But there's a great perplexity in the world. And the world, remember, of this day, of Christ's day, was a very small world. What was known of the world in Christ's day? This hemisphere wasn't known by that world. And yet here it says there would be great perplexity of nations in these last days. Signs in the sun, distress of nations with perplexity, the sea and the waves roaring, men's hearts failing them for... You know, when I saw that sea and the waves roaring, I, as I said, uh, I couldn't help but think on that storm we had here about two weeks ago. I crossed that Verrazano Bridge, and I, I couldn't believe it. I've seen pictures, you know, down about Florida and the waves crashing over the, the, the barriers, you know. And I, I looked down from that Verrazano Bridge. It looked like down there. Here were these waves roaring over the place. Here it may refer to mankind. Many places, the word of God uses the sea and the waves to speak of all mankind, roaring, confusion. Did you ever, listen, television has brought it. You know, God's not going to let us get away with it. Television brings every part of the world right within your view. You watch your television screens. Here's riots here, youth marching through the streets. Riots here, riots here throughout the world. Wherever you look, riots, riots. No one's happy. Perplexity. Perplexity. Men's hearts, notice, 6, 26 verse, failing them for fear. This is the last days. Beloved, may I remind you, I'm not talking. Jesus Christ is speaking. Do you believe in Jesus Christ? He's speaking to your hearts. He's telling you what it's going to be like so you won't have any doubt. I hate to say this, but I believe there are born-again Christians who yet have not received the conception of the coming of the Son of God and it's going to be soon, that they're playing church still. They're not serious with God. They're piling up treasures for themselves, planning on this, planning on that. And the Lord is saying, Thou fool, just as he said, This night shall thy soul be required of thee, and then what shall those things be? But I want to say he's changed it a little bit. Thou fool, this night the Lord will come. Then what shall those things be? We know not the day or the hour, but the Lord is coming soon. I'm not saying as there have been those prophets who have come and have told people, sell everything, and you know, and go to a mountain in California. The Lord is coming on, on December 10th. I have a piece of uh, a, a paper here. If I get a chance, I'll read it to you later that the Lord is coming July 23rd, 1972. 
This man has a tremendous following. He gets bigger crowds than Billy Graham. But they got the data all set. But I do say this, we do not know the day or the hour when the Lord is coming. And Jesus is making sure here that we understand men's hearts are going to fail them for fear in those last days. And I want to tell you, men's hearts are failing them for fear today. In every single way, look at, all you have to do is look at several areas. Your hearts are failing you for fear for your children. Your hearts are failing you for fear for your nation. Your hearts are failing you for fear for your financial structure. Your hearts are failing you for fear for the things that you see coming upon the earth. We do not even know the weapons of man at this present moment to destroy mankind. All we know is about the hydrogen bomb, nuclear bombs, but I want to tell you, everything you read says is a lot worse than that. So your hearts are failing for fear unless you know Christ. That's why I say our message is not pessimistic. It's optimistic to the children of God. And you can tell whether you're a child of God as to whether you have optimism in your heart because I want you to notice what Jesus says here. Here he's saying, there shall be such terrible failing of fear for those things that are coming. For the powers of heaven shall be shaken. And that's, uh, isn't that what everybody fears about? The powers of heaven being shaken. There'll be some power that will shake the heavens and all earth will pass away with a great noise and the elements shall melt with a fervent heat, as Peter says. And all mankind is, is fearful. It, he, Jesus says, the powers of heaven will be shaken. And I want to tell you, if a nuclear war comes, there'll be a shaking. The only conception we have of nuclear warfare is that which happened in Nagasaki in Japan, that's all, and that was a little thing. The present bombs are 1,000 times more powerful, and that killed over 100,000 people in one blast. As I said two weeks ago, Mr. Humphrey, in one of his last messages, said, the first bombs that drop in a Russian-United States war will kill over 150 million people in the first two hours of blast. You know what it says in the book of Ezekiel? There's a day coming when it will take seven years to bury the dead, and the stench of the dead will fill the nostrils of everybody who goes to bury the dead. In the book of Revelation, it warns you that in the last conflict, 200,000 of men shall engage in great conflict. That was more than 10 times the population of the world in that day. How could John have conceived of it? 200 millions of men in battle conflict. Notice now Jesus says, and then shall they see the Son of Man, notice this, coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Now notice, and when these things begin to come to pass, 
then you look up. Why? And lift up your heads. Why, Lord? For your redemption draweth nigh. Thanks be unto God. Now, you see what I'm saying? That while God says, isn't it amazing how Jesus does this? He says, notice what he says, men's hearts are feeling them for fear, perplexity of nations, signs in the sun, the moon, and the stars. And then he says, but remember, when you see these things beginning to come to pass, what? Look up! For your redemption draweth nigh. Now, may I say this just to bring us at this point? You know, I've nearly gone 30 minutes. It doesn't seem possible, you know. To bring it right down to today, let me say this. This financial chaos in the world right now Collapse of the world's money marts is something that the scripture is very clear on. The world is, in a sense, we're on a gold standard, so-called. You know, there was a day when the gold standard meant something. Because the amount of gold held by the nations, the bullion, I'm not talking of your rings. I'm not talking of your jewelry. Incidentally, if our nation were a godly nation and we were in love with Jesus Christ, all of us together, as a nation, we could be likened unto Israel, you see. Unfortunately, we're not. When Israel had its financial problems, it knew what to do. They went to the people. Would the prophet say, I want you to come in? I want you to bring all your gold rings, all your gold jewelry, all that you possess in gold, and deposit it in the treasury that we may be liquid as a nation. We could do it tomorrow. Godly nation. Imagine how people would hold on to their gold. Give my gold ring, or I'd die. Give my jewelry. Why, my husband labored a lifetime to give me this. Well, that's what a godly nation did. The people brought all of their jewelry into the treasury because Israel had needs. This was a godly people. And bring it all in and all their debts were paid off. Listen, in the world today, there's about $60 billion in gold bullion. Do you know what that means? It's supposed to back all the currencies of the world. Do you know how much the United States owes? Three hundred and twenty-five what? Billion! You know how much we got? We used to have something like twenty-three billion. I think we're down around twelve or thirteen now. Did you ever try to run your house on this kind of a deficit spending? 
May I tell you, $60 billion, that's why everybody's talking about we've got to get off the gold standard. We've got to get something else. This gold is not enough to back up. The United States could never pay off its bond issues, could never pay off anything. Hasn't got the currency, hasn't got the backing. Everybody knows that. Every nation on the face of this earth at the present time has the same problems. Russia has debts. We're spending more than this in one year on armaments. We spend $50 billion in a year just on armaments. One plane that I show, saw, saw on television last night, the, I think it's the F-111, cost $8 million a piece. Financial chaos, financial chaos. This is what the world is facing. But may I say something? God knew all about that. And that's why the world is looking for a dictator. The world is looking for a man. That man is yet to come who's to be the Antichrist. I'm thankful I won't be here when he comes. But I can see the whole scene getting, getting set. He's coming. And he's going to eliminate the gold standard. That'll be one of his first acts. Read it in Revelation 13 when you go home. That's one of his first acts. Going to eliminate the whole thing. He's going to do exactly what he wants to do. And you know what he's going to do? He's going to say this. Let me read it to you. Revelation 13. And here's what he has to say. He causes all, both small and great, 16th verse, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in their right hand or in their paths, that no man might either buy or sell. This will be the thing. Buy or sell, save he that has the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. Now notice, here is wisdom. Let him that hath understanding count the number of the beast. This is the Antichrist. For it is the number of a man. Put a big circle around that. People are going to think he's godlike in the Messiah. And his number is six hundred, three score, and six. Now, Wally. Wally came to me the other day and he said to me, Martin Thomas Gian? I said, yes. He said, there are six letters in each of your names. <laughs> Six hundred and sixty-six. Now note, note these words. You cannot buy or sell. Have nothing to do with the gold standard. Can't do a thing. Unless you have the mark on your forehead or in your hand, you will have no place to go. You'll starve to death. There'll be no place for you to go. The number 6667 is the number of perfection. 666 and 3 is the number of divinity. But notice it says here is wisdom. Notice this is the number of a man. Don't be deceived. This is the number of a man. We will not be here. He's going to be revealed in the time of great tribulation. We will be caught out to be with Christ, which is far better. First Thessalonians 4th chapter. We will be out of this world. I love that phrase. Out of this world. 
But he will then be revealed. And Thessalonians tell us the man of sin will not be revealed until the Holy Spirit be taken out of the way. The Holy Spirit dwells in us, will be taken out of the way. The man of sin will be revealed. He'll be the benefactor to all mankind. He will set himself up, it tells you in Revelation 13. He will be as God. But here is wisdom. His number is 666, not 777. Three, he'll claim he's God. He's false. 666, he is a man. He is the Antichrist. And he will command all the world to receive his mark upon their foreheads. Imagine. You know, it reminded me. Do you remember the World's Fair? It's not going to be put in, you know, some people say, you mean you're going to take a poker and put it on? No. In fact, just recently I went somewhere, I don't know, they put a cross on my hand, you know, and then when I went to go back in, I went to walk and said, just a minute, put your hand there. Oh. I looked down and there's violet light, I guess, you know, bing, there's the big cross. Going to have a number on their fire at 666. And if you don't have that mark of the beast, and if you don't bow down and worship him, those who are in that time of great tribulation, and if you're saved this morning, you'll have no part in that, thank God. But if you were in that great tribulation and you had not the mark, you'd starve to death or they'd put you to death because you have not sworn allegiance to the Antichrist who shall come. And let me tell you, the world is looking for a man like this. The world is looking for some great benefactor to come. Have we not read about world government and the world church? Is not the world government already in the process of establishment? Under the UN Charter? Under the UN? Have we not read this continually? Have we not read Carson Blake, the great world church is coming into existence? Have we not read Martin Niemöller who says that one world government is essential under one man and that government to be under that headship of one man? But I have to say to Martin Niemöller, the one man who will lead the world government on this earth is the Antichrist of Revelation 13, the second beast of that chapter. It says the first beast came up out of the sea. This is the Gentile head. This is the head of the nations, the great nations. It says the second beast that came up, came up out of the land. Wherever it says it came up out of the land, it means the land of Israel. Israel is the center of all of God's reasoning. This one shall come out of one of the tribes of Israel. It probably will be the tribe of Dan. Since Dan, the prophecy concerning him in Genesis 49, clearly tells us that Dan is a serpent. And God sets aside the tribe of Dan completely. And out of the land shall come a man who will be the Antichrist. And then it tells you at the end of 13, and this man shall say, you will have the mark of the beast upon you and the number of his name, 666. And you cannot buy or you cannot sell unless you have that mark. And beloved, may I say this? 
Oh, you should make sure that you're in the church of Jesus Christ, that you're saved this morning, that you really know where you're going, that the day will not come upon you as a thief in the night, that you will really be in love with your Savior, that you will understand that perilous times are coming, that the Antichrist will one day be revealed, but not to the church. We will be gone. And when he is revealed, all this financial chaos that we see is finally going to terminate in a man that will say you cannot buy or sell, not a matter of how much gold bullion you have, but do you have my mark in your forehead or upon your hand? And if you did not have it, and oh, I pray none of you will ever go into that time, there would be death. Oh, beloved, what, let me read that again to you. Perilous times shall come in the last days. Perilous times. We're living in those perilous times. We're supposed to discern, beloved. Supposed to discern. If I could read all these things too, and I can't because it's too late, but here we should discern truth. Listen to this. Here's this man. It says, The secret dynamic year of day and month of July 23rd, 1972 is when Christ is coming. This man has a larger following than any man there is right now. Here's what he says. The prophetic scrolls I write are a master classic written by the Spirit of God through this unique gift he's given me. Each scroll shows the events that read right up to the end. One can just about know the season of the return of Christ. If you order the new scroll, number 23, which is on the coupon on the back page, it will tell you, and this, and, and if you haven't read the others, we'll send those to you also. Then he says, the Lord told me that no one but me has all the identical predictions that he has given me. So if you hear or receive the same predictions through the mail, you know that they didn't come from that person but from me. If you die in a meeting, the possibility is that God will raise you back again to testify of his coming. In certain meetings, arms and legs are going to be created for those of you without arms and legs, as well as eyes and other parts of the body that are gone allowing for 1% human error. I know that everything that I speak is going to come to pass. The Lord told me to print extra scrolls this time because he's going to move on many of you to write. Oh, beloved. Look at the crowds and thousands, soldiers, servicemen, Vietnam, packed in. Wherever he goes, you can't get them in. Can't get them in. How many of you listen to Mr. Armstrong? Hmm? Let me read you his April issue. April issue. Herbert W. Armstrong, The Plain Truth, has made the following statement. There is only one work that is preaching the true gospel. This is that work. Every other work in the world rejects the message of Jesus, Jesus Christ. There is no exception. Only those who have their part in this work the plain truth, and are converted to this church, constitute the true church that Jesus founded. 
The trumpet of genuine Christianity and truth was never heard from Titus until Armstrong took it up and sounded it during the first week of January 1934. You know, I know Christians in this congregation who just came to me within the last two weeks and said, did you hear the message of Armstrong? Wasn't it wonderful? Unless you're baptized by Armstrong, you're not saved. It's a mixture of British Israelism and Seventh-day Adventism. It's a mixture of the two, brought together. Boy, I, you know, it's getting late, but I'd love to keep you. How many of you saw this in Life magazine? Huh? Scientology. Did you know it's the fastest growing religion in the world? Now has three million adherents. Listen to this. His name is Ron Hubbard. Voice is deep and professional. He says, everyone in this Los Angeles community that they met, and then they also met in the Hotel Martinique in New York, crowded out at $16 apiece. Say, so I wonder what would happen if a $16 charge to get in this place. $16! Listen. Listen to this. They listened to a disembodied voice. Among the believers, Scientology and its founder are beyond frivolous question. Scientology is the truth. It is the path to a civilization without insanity, without criminals, and without war. And for the first time in all ages, this is quoting their book, there is something that delivers and answers the eternal questions and delivers to the believer immortality as well. I don't know. I don't know what to read you, but it's, you know, it's, it's really tragic. Scientology is rather expensive. To reach the first meaningful stage costs the beginner $650 in tuition. To becoming, listen, to becoming an operating thetan, or thetan, I don't know what that is. Class 8, the highest present classification, can raise the all-in cost, books, tuition, and equipment, and the lodging at the Scientology centers to $15,000. Fastest growing religious group in the world. And you know what it's composed of? Young intellectuals. Young intellectuals. You, you. We'd better discern, beloved, because these are the kind of things that are... i got lots of others. But these are the kinds that are floating through the world today. we better know the truth, for only the truth... Who is the truth? I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. Let us pray. Now, Father, we thank Thee. We're living in terrible days, Lord even thinking of this present problems of man, financial chaos, insecurity, perplexity, and the fact that we know that during that great tribulation there'll be a man who's going to settle it all and say you can buy and sell if you have the mark of the beast, but not otherwise. And then we see all the terrible distortions there are 
We see Scientology with its fastest growing religion. We see the different groups that are growing so fast, people looking here and there. There's a famine of the Word of God. Father, I pray this morning, Lord, touch hearts. Father, that no one will leave here without Christ, the glorious truth of the gospel, the salvation in Jesus. Oh, Father, touch hearts. Father, forgive me for keeping them a little late this morning, but I just had to tell them of these things. So, Father, we pray that you'd bless these things to their hearts, that we might rejoice in the coming of Christ soon for us. Take us out before the terrible tribulation yet to come, the horrors that are coming, all of the vials and all of the seals in Revelation, the wrath of God upon this world with all of its perplexities and confusions. Father, we thank thee. Touch our hearts, Lord. Fill us with thy Holy Spirit. Give us a passion for souls. God, help us to look at our family with new eyes. The time is too short. Father, help us. Let there be tearful prayers. Let us, let us be burdened. Who sheds tears, Father, anymore for the souls of men? God, touch us and use us to the winning of our own families and of other precious souls to Christ. In Jesus' name, amen.